Across the country, activists are calling for police departments to be defunded, and elected officials are heeding their calls. The mayors of Los Angeles and New York City have announced proposals to slash police budgets. In Minneapolis, the city council went a step further, pledging to disband the police force. Our commitment is to end our city's toxic relationship with the Minneapolis Police Department, to end policing as we know it, and to recreate systems of public safety that actually keep us safe. Calls for changes like these have emerged in the protests over the killing of George Floyd. But years before this current movement, one police department in Camden, New Jersey, actually took the unusual step to eliminate and rebuild its police force. And right now, Camden's being looked at as a model of how dismantling a police department could work. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Tuesday, June 9th. Coming up on the show, what happened when Camden restructured its police department, according to the chief who oversaw it? This episode is brought to you by Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, giving ambitious companies like yours the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. Scott Thompson is the former police chief of Camden, New Jersey. He was on the force for 25 years and was chief from 2008 to 2019. When Scott took over as chief, there was a lot of mistrust between the people who lived in Camden and its police department. And in 2012, those problems came to a head. The community didn't like us. They didn't trust us. And to be quite frank with you, we gave them a lot of really good reasons to feel that way. Police continued to believe that we could arrest our way out of situations. We would continue to utilize performance metrics that were rooted in outputs and not outcomes. And regardless of the results, we would continue to exercise the same failed policy and methodology. By most metrics, poverty, graduation rates, unemployment, Camden was really struggling at the time. That was especially true when it came to crime. You know, Camden was always one of the nation's most dangerous cities. Uh, The city uh, had really devolved into such despair as a whole. Three of the last seven mayors had gone to federal prison. The police department had five leaders in five years. In 2012, Honduras was the most violent country on the planet. And our murder rate had eclipsed that of Honduras in 2012. There was a moral imperative to do something different. And the police department was facing problems, too. Because of budget shortfalls, half the force had been laid off. And officers also weren't showing up to work. On any given day, 30% of the force was absent. And it was amid all this turmoil that Scott had been trying to reform the department. But everything we tried to do 
it was essentially fought and resisted by the labor organization at the time. And by labor organization, you mean the police union? Yes, yes, the police union. The police union would litigate every decision if it didn't have a pay raise attached to it. I had loved the Camden City Police Department for all its warts. That was the organization that I came up and, and through. But I didn't believe it was salvageable. I didn't believe it could be resuscitated in a meaningful way. But I saw opportunity on the other side. It couldn't get any worse. So why not try something new? And so in 2012, with support from the state, the mayor and city council voted to abolish the Camden City Police Department and start over with a new department created at the county level. Can you talk about the opposition you faced from within the department? Well, you know, policing is like most other governmental institutions, is extremely resistant to change. There is a natural inclination to protect and hold on for dear life to the status quo. And people fear the unknown. And we were talking about the unknown. The initial reaction from most people was they didn't believe it was real. And the most symbolic thing was we took the sign down off of the building that had been up there since its creation, the huge sign that was lit up that said Camden Police Department. And we had a crane come in, and the crane took that down. And you could see cops just standing there, staring at it, mouth agape. Just to them, it was surreal. They couldn't believe this was happening. You know, this is a paper exercise. This was never supposed to happen. After that sign came down, every officer in the Camden City Police Department, including Scott, was fired. Officers had to reapply for their jobs, retake psychological exams, and complete a 50-page application. Many of them, like Scott, were rehired. And then, as the new police chief... Scott had to get an entire police force on board with starting over from scratch. When I walked in with a room full of people who had been through a pretty tumultuous ride over the past two years, the level of uncertainty was extremely high. And the opportunity that I offered to everybody at the time was I walked into a room and my offer was this. Seldom in life do you ever get the ability to hit the reset button. And you're being offered one now, personally and professionally. This new organization, we've got rules and regulations that are, you know, three inches thick. We've got policies and procedures that are five inches thick. But this is what I ask of you. We've got a mission and a creed. Our mission is to reduce the number of crime victims and to make people feel safe. And our creed is service for yourself. If you come to work every day, you believe in something that's larger than yourself, and you work towards the mission, in a matter that's congruent with our creed, you will have opportunity this organization. It was, look, failure's not an option. We're moving forward. I don't want to hear the words, we've always done it this way, because we're going to presume from this day forward that we, we've done it wrong. And you've got an opportunity here to be co-authors of a new policing paradigm. That new policing paradigm, Scott says, was getting Camden police officers to think of themselves as guardians instead of warriors. We pushed people in the neighborhoods. We took squad cars away from her. We said, this is your corner. You've got this for the next 12 hours. I don't want you to arrest anybody unless it's for a violent offense occurring in your presence. I don't want you to write tickets. 
I don't want you to do anything other than just interact and get to know the people in this neighborhood. And for a lot of officers, they didn't like it at first, but when they started to have increased interaction with people in the community, it eats away at the cynicism. I mean, think about it from this perspective. We were an organization that once only interfaced with its community in moments of enforcement or moments of crisis. And that was the lens through which the community defined its police. And unfortunately, that was the lens through which the police defined its community. And there was never the opportunity to get to know the individuals. So when that was basically forced upon them, the officers, I mean, and they started to be able to have those interactions, it's actually, it's more healthy for them from a, a mental health and wellness perspective. They're no longer dehumanizing the people that they have to work in the community with and for. The Camden County Police Department also revamped its use of force policy with input from academics and organizations like the ACLU. And Scott says it put all of its officers through de-escalation training, the goal of which is to avoid violent confrontations where an officer might fire a gun. I learned that you can't tell cops that they need to retreat. Cops will never retreat, but they'll all tactically reposition, right? So it's okay to back up. In fact, we want you to back up get behind cover, do things to increase time, time, distance. It's your best friend in these situations. Stop rushing into situations and creating what we call officer-created jeopardy, wherein the cop is, by their own actions, is limiting their own options to just pulling the trigger on their gun. How did this change in approach affect the community's relationship with the police? At first, there were, there were high levels of skepticism. Um, you got to remember that we went from not having the best of relations to now uh, suddenly we were flooding the streets with cops walking the beat and riding bicycles. And at first, the people were not comforted by that. They did not see that as something that they welcomed. But the onus was on us to give them the positive experiences to start to change their opinion. That's why we started to do things like ice cream giveaways and pop-up barbecues. Now, that was not just some feel-good tactic, right? There's thought behind that from the aspect of our per capita income is less than $13,000 a year in that city. There's a lot of people in those communities, kids included particularly, that are not going to have a hot meal each and every night. So the mere fact that we could buy a couple barbecues, we could go to the supermarket, get some patties and some hot dogs, we could provide food for the people. What we want is we want the streets populated with good people who are engaging with each other, getting to know each other. They're engaging with us. They're getting to know us. I mean, in some aspects, it sounds very simple, which it is. It's just not easy. The reason why community policing is not as productive across the country is that that can't be a unit that does that. That can't be just a small group of officers that does it. It's got to be a philosophy that's embraced by all. After the break, how in practice, that philosophy changed Camden. This 
episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing carefully, consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. Welcome back. There were criticisms of Camden's restructured police department. With the move to a county police force, many officers live in the suburbs, not in the city itself. And reports of excessive force by the police were higher in 2014 than under the old police department in 2012. But that number has been dropping. Last year, there were only three excessive force complaints in Camden. And Scott says, when you look at the numbers, the changes to the police in Camden have made a real difference. Would you call this effort in Camden a success? And if so, by what measures? Well, I, I don't use the word success. I use the word progress. Look, we saw our, our solve rates and our murders go from 16% to 61%. And it wasn't because we were any better at anything. It was because the community was finally starting to talk to us. Our gun seizures went up in the first 18 months. And it wasn't because we were stopping, frisking, and searching people more. It was because we were creating those moments where they were talking to us more and they were telling us where the guns were, who the bad people were, who did the shooting. It's just they made us far more effective of an organization. We stopped fishing with a net and started fishing with a spear. The fact that we can lower violent crime 40 percent, I think that's progress. And I think that it's something that should be celebrated by the people there because less mothers are burying their sons. And that's real. But when you look at Camden from a relative perspective, it's still one of the more violent communities in the country. It's still extremely challenged with poverty and unemployment and addiction and recidivism. But the city of nine square miles that had 175 open-air drug markets negatively defining everybody's life now has less than 20. Streets that you would drive down and nobody would dare leave their home, not even during daylight hours. Those streets have people sitting on their front steps and little kids riding their bikes. It's still a place that can be very hard from an optics perspective with regards to decay of buildings and infrastructure. But it's one that is far less violent. And I think that is one of the most remarkable things. And I don't think that the credit in that goes to the police department. I think it goes to the community themselves. Because all we did was provide the opportunity for them to reclaim their neighborhoods. What Camden has done is what some activists are now pushing for. 
a complete overhaul of police departments. This is one interpretation of the phrase, defund the police. And Scott says Camden's experience shows it can work. I don't think you can get rid of police. But I would say that I would be all for taking money out of the police budget and putting it towards meaningful programs that are going to change the root cause issues and stop putting the obligation and the expectation on the police to address those issues. I think that's a fair deal. And I don't think the community is wrong in that. So it seems like you're adding some nuance to these calls that we hear to defund the police. That, one, you believe there still needs to be police, but there also needs to be budget that supports other programs to help communities. My budget was, I think my last year was $70 million. I would be willing to appropriate a million dollars of that budget towards a dance troupe, a program that keeps young girls in the inner city engaged. I know the impact that that would have in the community. I was once asked about um, the murder rate. What are you going to do about these murders? And as if this was all whether I can fix this or not. And, And I remember saying to the person I was talking to, I said, if you increase my graduation rate 10%, you'll drop my murder rate 20%. There's a correlation there. It may not be direct causation, but there's a correlation there. As you hear calls to defund the police, like what is happening in Minneapolis, what did you learn from your experience in Camden that you want to make sure people who are talking about this now understand? If you're going to defund it, do it in a meaningful way so that the money that you're reappropriating is going towards a root cause issue. It's going to people and systems that are ethical. They're providing applications that are evidence-informed. I would have traded 10 cops for a boys and girls club. So, you know, I agree with that principle. I just want to see it done in a way, and I hope that it's done in a way, where it goes to the right people so they can do the good work that we know that they can do. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Uh, Thank you so much. That's all for today, Tuesday, June 9th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.